Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, where Grace FM originates. And uh, just probably have just finished our best year ever on Grace FM. And I haven't seen a recent report on listenership lately, but we have certainly had more feedback, more response, more interaction, and and all different metrics that we use internally here um, to to really reflect a tremendous blessing. I'm looking at, right now I'm looking at the data just on our app alone, and the data on our app is extraordinary. Uh, thousands upon thousands of, of opening in media, almost 200,000 media plays, 16,000 downloads, 375,000 launches, um, on and on that list goes. Um, so we're grateful for the opportunity to be a part of your life. If you're listening in on Hope FM or Truth FM or any of the other stations that picked up Calvary Live, we want you to know that Calvary Live originates here in Colorado uh, at Grace FM. And Grace FM covers about 80% of Colorado's population. And our friends at different radio stations have picked up the program. And uh, we are honored and blessed to serve you uh, and to encourage you in the Lord. So here's how it works. The number to dial is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. And if you want to be on the air with your question or your prayer request, that is the number to use. And you can text me at 720-336-0897. That's for texting questions. And if we don't have time, or able to get you on the air, we fill time with the texting questions. So again, texting only is 720-336-0897. And the number to dial to be on the air is 303-690-3000. I read an interesting article today. Uh, I think I don't have it up anymore, Um, but... In the article, it's something that's been passed around, but the article said that at the current trend, um, at 100 churches close every day. Uh, and I thought that was sad. So it's the article was written by Michael Snyder, and it says between 6,000 and 10,000 churches in the U.S. are dying each year. And that means over 100 will die this week. So it's 100 a week. 100 a week. Um, 
and primarily the point being made was twofold. One is that uh, people don't go to church anymore, uh, especially in the newer generations. And secondly, the ones that do go to church don't give. They're not givers. Um, it says, he, he, I quote, Church attendance is simply not as important to Americans as it once was. In the old days, churches were central hubs where you got to know your neighbors and important events were commemorated. But now churches sit idle and empty most of the time, and attendance on Sunday mornings is depressingly low in most cases. How sad. We need to be in prayer for a revival and a resurgence of ministry in our cities, uh, and that there would be a, 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 a rededication and a massive, aggressive, what the Lord's put on my heart for 2018 and 19 and beyond is aggressive evangelism, aggressive outreach, and aggressive building up of the saints as we bring the Refresh Conference back to Colorado. Uh, so excited. Uh, we took a year off of Refresh last year, but no more. We are back, and we're excited, and we've got some big things planned. I hope that the Lord will open the doors for us, but at the very least, we're going to have a very, and we got to wait till October of 2019, but we're already on the works, planning it, preparing it. Exciting. 303-690-3000. Joe in Colorado Springs is waiting. Joe, welcome to the program. Hello. What's up, Hello? bro? Yeah, you're on the air. Oh, yeah, okay. Just making sure you can hear me. Yeah, I can um, hear you. thanks for taking my call. I was just calling to get a better understanding of, or an explanation of, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and exactly what that looks like. I mean, obviously, okay. I, I would assume it's a misinterpretation of the Holy Spirit or a mischaracterization, but I was wondering if you could explain exactly what that is. Well, it's a great question because there's there's a lot of different opinions and debate over what this was, but the context of the blasphemy against the Spirit is in Mark chapter 3. You remember Jesus just performed a miracle, and he had uh, cast out a demon from a man uh, and healed the man of his blindness. And the eyewitnesses, those that were watching this, um, were accusing Jesus of doing this in the power of the devil. Mm -hmm. And his response to, to that was, you know, that there's every sin will be forgiven except this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And I, what I believe... Um, what I believe is the root of this is assigning the work of God to the devil, and only a depraved mind can do this. Uh, only a mm -hmm. hard heart can do this. And the idea of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit that um, isn't forgiven is really the, re if you summarize it in the entirety of the scriptures, is the rejection of, of the coming of Messiah. That's the only yeah. sin that will be unforgiven. Uh, and okay. so you tie that together with the context of the phrase, somehow I believe the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is not simply the denial of Jesus Christ, but it's, it's the, there's a demonic element to it where you, you are so hardened against the love and mercy, grace, and forgiveness of Jesus Christ that your rejection of Jesus Christ lasts eternally, and that's what you'll be judged for. Right, right. It's okay. almost like a, 
a final, like a one, a final rejection. And here's the thing. <clears throat> here's the thing about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. We don't know exactly when it happens in a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just don't know. And because of that, we then continue to evangelize and we continue to uh, love people and you continue to serve them because we don't know if someone, you know, someone could say some really, really bad and not blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Like, you, you, you remember Paul, uh, we know Saul of Tarsus did that. We, we know that you can do a lot of bad things uh, in, in light of your life before you come to know Jesus Christ personally. Um, he describes himself as a blasphemer, remember? Let me, let me mm-hmm. look it up for you. Um, when he describes himself to young Timothy, he says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, even though I was a blasphemer and a persecutor and an insolent man, I obtained mercy right. because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. So an unbeliever can blaspheme uh, God and say a lot of really bad things and not blaspheme the Holy Spirit, because that's what happened in Saul's case. Mm-hmm. So, long story short, and the reason I ask this is because, you know, so many different denomination or people that are in different denominations have different you know views of the holy spirit at work um you know some some like uh uh for lack of better words you know conjure up the spirit and and sometimes it almost seems not to be offensive but to me it seems circus-like and i and so in a nutshell and and obviously, obviously, I wouldn't be operating in love if I was to, you know, um, put them down for that, I guess. But being very careful of, oh, well, that's not the Holy Spirit. Like, you're, you're making this up. I don't know. Right. Like, that's, that's, that's where I get, I get confused. I mean, I've had the Spirit transform my life, but I see people that, use it they throw around the term the holy spirit and the work of the holy spirit very loosely and sometimes it makes me very angry and i don't feel that i feel that they're blowing smoke and i want other people that maybe aren't believers or have no experience with the holy spirit to know that hey you know this isn't some feeling you get once in a while this is this is the spirit of god that comes to abide with you uh on a daily basis and i mean anyways i i, I guess uh i just want to make sure that i'm not blaspheming the holy spirit at any time by sticking to what i know about the holy spirit i guess well the way you're describing this scenario you're you're not coming close to this sin. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, <laughs> I like to say that that people that are worried and concerned about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, just by their concern, shows us that they're not even close. Uh, this is okay. a hard-hearted, resistant unbeliever mm-hmm. uh, that, that commits this. And However, I have to say that it's not that... So, so some of the things that you're sensitive about, it's not that you, won't, you couldn't grieve the Holy Spirit, because you could... Um, it's not that you might you 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 might not quench the Holy Spirit because you could, and it's not that you might even say a blasphemous thing, and say something wrong. 
Um, those are all possibilities, but by the grace mm-hmm. of God and his finished work on the cross, there's forgiveness for our dumb decisions and our dumb actions. And so when we're quick to bring it to the Lord, when we fail, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us mm-hmm. from all unrighteousness. Okay. Well, awesome. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for the deeper insight into this, because um, there's not a whole lot of description about it, and yeah, right. so thank you. You're welcome. God bless you, my brother. Yes, you too, sir. All right, bye-bye. Bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. We're going to move to line number two is Carla in Colorado Springs. Carla, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. You're welcome. Um, I just wanted to ask for prayers for my mother-in-law. Okay. Um, she's having a really high fever and going through the hospital right now, and okay. possibly have jaundice. So, um, I would appreciate it if you guys pray for her. And also, I have a daughter that is a teenager. She's thirteen. Um. She, three months ago, decided she wanted to go live with her dad. Okay. And uh, she's coming to the point now she doesn't even want to talk to me at all. Like, completely cut me off. Well, long I'm story sorry. short, um, both of me and her dad has a lawyer because the dad wanted to take full custody now. Um, out of nowhere, there's just nothing. Uh, but he's also not a follower. So... And there's a lot of manipulation going on where, you know, like a sweet daughter that I have doesn't even want to talk to me. So I want to pray that God will touch her heart, will soften her heart, and also his, uh, her dad's heart. Because, you know, I'm not fighting against him. I'm fighting against the enemy that's using him right now. Okay, well, let's pray right now. Father, I do pray for this very difficult situation um, with a precious 13-year-old daughter caught in the middle of some very hard, difficult marriage issues and parenting issues. And God, we we ask right now that um, you would be in the midst of this difficult situation and bring about the kind of help that's needed to reconcile and bring relationship back it's a horrible thing when relationships are broken and then people are are um you know it's just hard and i know that my sister is is um is very um hurt over this and i pray that you would bring resolution father i ask that you um would also be with this mother-in-law that's headed to the hospital and the potential of sickness and whatever it might be. I am heard a lot this week about medical professionals and hospitals and stuff, and I'm just so grateful uh, for doctors and nurses and paramedics and firefighters and police officers, so many that are in the medical field that um, help and serve and, and have been trained how to take care of sickness. And so I pray that um, this trip to the hospital would yield much fruit and that you would bring strength and healing to this woman. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. And by the way, I really appreciate you guys, and uh, I listen to you constantly, and you've been really great help 
uh, to my situation right now, and I appreciate mm. that very much. Well, we're very grateful to be to be a part of your life, and you know we're we're a small part of a big big what what a big God is doing. Yes, for sure. Well, I appreciate. God bless you guys. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. We're going to move on to Chris in Lakewood, Colorado. Chris, welcome to the program. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Uh, my question is, um, I think it's John chapter 8, verse 56. Yes. And uh, it says, uh, Abraham, your father, rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. I was curious to what... Uh, scripture that would be like into the um, the Old Testament. I think I might have an idea, but I'd rather get your take on it because, uh, you know, I, I don't want to miss the mark. Well, I mean, I think that this, this is one of those passages uh, that people disagree or not. It's not really a disagreeable passage. They just have different options. Um, one would be Genesis chapter 12, um, where Abraham says, I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. Um, that was a that was a, a a promise of faith that was realized in in Abraham's day. Um, another one that's suggested uh, is the so so basically here here's how here's how it's a little complicated, but there's a couple of different categories that you could look at. First of all, you could say the day is not his physical appearance, but rather the manifestation of the promises of God being fulfilled, like because these are messianic promises, although Abraham Abraham doesn't have the kind of information that you and I have at the time. Does that make sense? Yeah, yes. So, so that's where chapter 12 comes in. Uh, on physical opportunities, um, you know, the, the time in, in Genesis 15, where the Lord showed up uh, and it says in verse 17, it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark that there appeared a smoking oven and burning torch that passed through. And the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. And um, that's a possibility. Um, 17 In chapter 17, Abraham, uh, when he was visited and told that visited by a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus, uh, that he was going to have a son. Um, and he laughed, mm -hmm. you remember? Yeah. Um, chapter 21. 21 is another example of that. Chapter 22 uh, was, remember when God said he would provide for himself a lamb? Yeah. Uh, and he yeah. did when he was taking up his son to the mount. So that's another point. Um, and, and then another one is that Abraham in the eternal state uh, understands fully now the promises that were said to him and how they are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so chapter 8, verse 56 could also be a reference to Abraham's eternal state. Because remember the context. The context here is um, when the Jews are answering and uh, backing up eight verses, you know, that they called, They said he had a demon. Um, they accused him of having a demon. Like they, they are in his presence and refused to acknowledge him. But Abraham, by faith, acknowledged him in principle every day of his life, you know, every day that he walked in faith. And okay. yes. so by the time you get to 56, mm -hmm. it's it's a real strong rebuke because they, they viewed Abraham and Moses, 
sometimes even higher than God. And mm-hmm. he says in verse 55, um, we're really in verse 54 now, he gets to the root of this, and he's building a case, uh, Jesus is. He says, if I honor myself, my honor's nothing. Well, excuse me, verse 53. Well, let's do it all. <laughs> let's go back. Yeah. 52 says, the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead, and the prophets... But you say, if anyone keeps my word, he'll never taste death. So now they're accusing him of false teaching, like they did when he said he would destroy the temple. Remember, they took it purely physical. Yes. And he says, then they say in verse 53, Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead, and the prophets are dead? Whom do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus said, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. You have, yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I'd be a liar like you. So now you know he's now they're pretty. Now you can get the change mm-hmm. on their faces, you know. <laughs> and he says, "But I do know him and keep his word." Now he goes back to Abraham. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And so the idea of first part of that rejoice to see my day is a statement of faith. He okay. lived in faith. Now, the what he saw that made him glad, it could be the fulfillment of faith in any place. It could be the fulfillment of faith in the promises that were given to him. It could be the, the pre-incarnate appearances that he had. Um, but notice the response. So now Jesus says it's really not about Abraham at all, right? Yeah. Then the Jews said to him, you're not 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? And then Jesus said, instead of giving them an Old Testament reference, he says, let me tell you something. Most mm-hmm. assuredly, before Abraham was, I am. I am. Yeah. And, and so I do think that there's, there's a sense of a physicality to this, but it's actually more, in my book, more of a spiritual statement. They go, you guys, you don't know who I am. Like, I've had a relationship with Abraham. I knew what's happening with Abraham before he was in the womb, like Jeremiah. Like, Abraham, he lived life of faith. He left everything in Genesis 12 to live a life of faith his entire life so that by faith it was imputed to him for righteousness. Abraham lived for this day, and you guys want to kill me. I'm God. And and if you kind of put them, put them in that sense, I think that that reference could do could be a lot of different things that Abraham wow. lived out. Yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you so much. Uh, that's a great question. Amazing, amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Right and on. You God bless you. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. That was a great question. I don't think I've heard that question before. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. That that means we have open lines, and we also have room on texting. Of course, if the lines are busy as as they are, um, connect with us. 303-690-3000 to get online or to, to be on the air. 720-336-0897 to text. So let's see if I can get one more before the break. Let's go to line one, Estella in Denver, Colorado. Estella, welcome to the program. Thank you, Pastor Ed. Um, okay, so my first question is, yes, I follow you on Instagram, and I saw something that you posted from uh, Pastor Chuck Smith, and it was something... Just refresh me. It was something about um, showing. Sometimes to show love, you just need to shut up. Or it was something along yes. those lines. Okay. So yes, I did post this, that. You did. You did. And honestly, it really ministered to me because, yeah, it was good. And so, but here's my <laughs> question. So, yes. Um, the missionary John Cho, that yes. you know that 
really right now my heart is more so broken because I really believe that when you feel called by the Lord and you've prayed about it and you've sought counsel and you really just, you really feel called, you can't really shake that feeling. And so you go and you, right. and to fulfill, you know, he was, he was trying to fulfill the great commission to, to spread, Correct. you know, the name of Jesus to all nations yes. and all tribes. And so here's kind of what, what's the struggle for me right now is that, you know, social media is utilized in, in many of our lives. And um, I, on Facebook, I'm seeing so many people um, really just talk garbage, you know, say really detestable things about him. And, you know, and they're all, and they're non-believers, many of them are. So I, I know that I can't expect them to understand the perspective of the biblical, you know, Great Commission. I get that. Um, but as a believer, I kind of feel... I guess compelled in a way to not to just give my opinion. It's not about opinions. Opinions don't matter. But to say, you know, it's almost like I understand why he did it, and it's heart it's heart wrenching. Now, you know, so many people are praying for these these un, unreached people, um, and I'm getting so much um, hostility and negative feedback from all the the non believers. And when I read your yesterday, I had so many comments from people just telling me how I was an atrocious person and how I believe in mass murder and genocide because I'm supporting what this young man did. Um, and uh-huh. so I just stopped responding because yesterday good. I saw your post and I was like, what good is it for me to continue saying anything, you know? But then a part of me felt like I wasn't using the voice that God has given me to, you know, to kind of stand my ground in my faith. And so... You know, I'm at this place, kind of a crossroad, because I've always been super bold in my faith, and I've always yes. talked about Jesus and the goodness of, of what He's done in my life and the transformative stuff that He's done. And everyone's tolerant of that, but the moment, you know, non-believers, in the moment that I say that, I understand why He did what He did. I, I, I know it sounds silly, because, but it feels like persecution, and I guess I'm just trying to really navigate how to respond you know, in love and listen to the Holy Spirit. And I don't know, I just, I guess I'm kind of looking for guidance to how to respond in those situations. And even if I should respond. Well, I know that my response over the years with Facebook is just to get completely off because I found that most Facebook conversations are shallow, empty, and um, really aren't reflective of, of a real meaningful relationship where we can actually dialogue. You know, they're mostly trolls that, um, that do pot shots and and are are really cowardice uh, in their in their attempt to put forth their view because you know it's it has changed our communication so you know if you're still on Facebook that just tells me that you have the ability to withstand some of this uh, and and I commend you for that um, number one number two I mean if you you think back to how many times if you meaningfully really in dialoguing back and forth on Facebook have really convinced someone, is it worth your time? Uh, because your time is precious. You'll never get it back. And um, is it really worth the investment of your time? You know what? The reason you see things on Facebook by me is because I, I have a third-party application that I can post to without ever going to Facebook. Yeah. And my philosophy is is if you know me or you you are connected with me in some way, you can get a hold of me, you know, especially if you know I'm a pastor. You can call a church. You can email me. You can get a hold of me if you want a real meaningful conversation. But if you're just going to pot shot me on Facebook, you can do it somewhere else because I'm not 
going to engage in that. That's not real. Um, mm-hmm. That that's it's 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 even worse than the anonymous letter these days because it's just not real. Um, but I do so. I want to bring you over to the second half of the program because we're almost done. Um, okay. But and I I want to speak to you and anyone else that really do do feel an obligation or you have the stamina and strength to be able to communicate. Um, but then you know you've got to you've got to really discern when you're throwing pearl before swine, right? Uh, because right. Jesus said you're not supposed to answer everyone either. Uh, so mm. with that in mind, we're going to take our only break of the show. We'll be back in about uh, 60 seconds, 90 seconds. Uh, this is Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, and we're going to talk about uh, using Facebook, and uh, especially on this particular missionary uh, that lost his life. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back to Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. And yes, we've been here for 19 years and uh, just so grateful to be used of the Lord. Uh, This is Calvary Live. This is the show where you call in. We talk about things pertaining to life and godliness. We pray together. We process things together biblically. Sometimes um, it's a very difficult uh, show to get through because a lot of pain. Sometimes it it changes. And we have different pastors that host it. So as you tune in during the week, we have different pastors that host different days. So the flavor even of the show changes from day to day, which is really cool. It is more than uh, I had envisioned. Very grateful uh, for it. And and you say, you envision this. And I say, yes, Calvary Aurora, uh, Grace FM, and Calvary Live is an outreach ministry of Calvary Aurora, uh, of our church here. And and so we have the privilege of praying over it, overseeing this station, which always reminds us, uh, please uh, consider giving to Grace FM if this station's blessed you because we want to finish the year strong, you know, we have a lot of hard costs that relate to radio and um, want to expand and invest more and more and better equipment and on and on. It's nonstop. Uh, Kevin and Josh and those guys could tell you uh, it's nonstop uh, and always requiring attention and resources. So you can go to our website, gracefm.com, gracefm.com. And of course, if you're listening on Truth FM or Hope FM, I would encourage you to support those stations uh, where you're hearing this uh, because they too are church-run stations. Uh, but for you guys here in Colorado, where it originates, Grace FM needs your help. Um, would appreciate your help. Um, and uh, it's a church station, so um, we're grateful for it. But boy, is it a monster. Praise the Lord. So grateful that we've been entrusted. I think... Let me check again. Let me check real quick. Grace FM has a birthday coming up here, and I want to get the years right. Grace FM turns uh, to—we started uh, on—turns eight years old, eight years old in a couple weeks, three weeks. Wow. Eight years old. Eight years we've been on the air in Colorado. Boy, are we grateful. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. We're going to go back to Stella, Stella on in Denver. Welcome back, Estella. Thank you. 
So for you guys just joining us on the second half, um, you can, uh, we want to catch you up. Stella was talking about uh, missionary John Cho. Is it Cho? I think it's Cho, yeah. I I don't know. Either way, Um, that missionary. (laughs) You know, he, uh, there's a lot of pushback on this missionary going to an unreached tribe and, and dying. I saw an article this morning. So I didn't get to see, I don't get, I don't get involved in so much drama anymore because I'm not on Facebook. Um, that's a and, good thing. And I'm on, I'm on Instagram. And so that's by, you know, approval only. And then that, I'm also on Twitter. So all you guys trying to reach me by Facebook, just don't do it because I don't check it. Um, you got to email me or call the church office. Uh, so, so that was my solution, you know, with the kind of drama that was come and people that criticize sermons and criticize, I just, I only have so much capacity. I can't deal with hypercritical people that I don't have a real relationship with. Um, I mean, I can deal with criticism and I can deal with, uh, you know, being uh, iron sharpening iron. I think that's valuable, but Facebook doesn't provide that avenue. Facebook is simply this. Um, People, People believe that everyone wants to hear their opinion, and so they um, open up a Facebook account and share it. And and then we're going through, and we're seeing pictures of our family, and we're seeing. And then something comes up, and then people start trolling you, and attacking you. And then we're tempted, aren't we? We're tempted to answer. And I thought of a couple of verses during the break, right? So in Proverbs chapter twenty-six, verse four, it says, "Do not answer a fool according to his folly." lest you also be like him. So most one. of this stuff yeah. you're dealing with is foolish, right? So yes, don't sir. answer him. Um, and then the next verse, in which is challenging, it says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in your own eyes. And, or in his own eyes, I should say. And so on occasion, an answer is required. Um, mm-hmm. uh, some sort of an answer. But, but what I suspect you're doing is what I tried to do years ago. Um, and I think a little bit of maturity is caught up with me, some significant pain. You'd be amazed what people would say after the death of my son. And I just don't have time for that stuff. Like, I don't have time for them to pour salt into the wound. Uh, and Facebook was one of the tools. And we're like unfriending people, blocking people, because like, I don't have time for this. And And so as you navigate through this, you have to really weigh the kind of relationship you have with people. Um, and, you know, we started with that quote by Pastor Chuck, and and it's in a book entitled Love. And let me see if I can back up and find the quote, because it seemed to get a lot of traction on, on uh, Twitter, uh, wherever <laughs> I posted it. And let me find it here, and, and let me see if I can back find it in the book so I could do the whole, you know, because that's the difficult thing. Uh, You can't give the whole paragraph of what he was saying, but it was interpersonal uh, and it was developing love uh, for others, especially your enemies. Um, But he also wrote this before social media uh, was was around because I think people uh, in this next generation, you sound younger than me. So in your generation, uh, you're Facebook and Twitter is are real and twi- and texting are real means of communication. They just lack so much on the relationship aspect of communication. I agree with which, that. 
which limits your ability to influence because that's really what I hear in you. You want to influence people and you just have to weigh yourself and say, is arguing with them on Facebook really going to influence anyone? And my right. experience has been, no. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's why I stopped responding because I felt like, okay, I had to really take a step back and realize, well, they're non-believers, so they're not going to understand my perspective. And so I can sit here and talk until I'm blue in the face, but is that going to be beneficial? Um, and so that's why I just stopped responding, um, just because I, I didn't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to stir people up in a negative way, but I also want to, you know, be faithful, a faithful steward of the gospel and not shrink back as well. So I think I was just trying to use discernment on, okay, like you, the scriptures that you gave, you know, just using discernment on what needs to be responded to and what doesn't. And I think that this is the key. So now that you, now that you're kind of developing it, choose the most effective way to influence by what God has given to you rather than trying to influence by reaction and responding. Mm, okay. And and that's the route that I've taken. I've said, hey, look, I read a, I'm reading a book, and when quotes come out, I'm going to share them. And you know, if everybody wants to argue about them, they can do that without me. I'm not going to get into it. Um, I, this, I, I liked it. It says what it says. Uh, you can either agree with it or not agree with it. But if you want to argue with me, that ain't going to happen. I have not, I will not provide that Avenue. Um, you, you don't, you know, it's almost like saying to people, you don't have permission to argue with me. I'm not asking to argue. I'm not, if you disagree with me, I respect that. I fine. Um, but but the the beauty of the beauty of it for me is that if there's a bunch of people flipped out and disagreeing with me, then they heard what I said, understood it, processed it, and the Holy Spirit can use it in their life. And I love mm. that. Amen. So here's the here's the whole. Let me give you the three paragraphs that support that one sentence that I shared. Um, and this is from Pastor Chuck Smith's book, Love: The More Excellent Way. <clears throat> it's toward, toward the end. He says Proverbs chapter ten verse twelve says. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. The Apostle Peter apparently had this scripture in mind when he wrote to his fellow believers. And he said, and I quote, And above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins, 1 Peter 4.8. How does love do this covering? As a grandfather, I think I understand. I love my grandkids. In my eyes, they can do no wrong. So what if they pour out a box of sugar on the floor? Who cares? I'll say, isn't that fun? Look, they've made a cute little pile out of it. They show amazing artistic ability the way they drew on it in the floor. Love really does cover a multitude of sins. And then he here's to the meat, he says. Understand that if you're filled with hatred, everybody's going to hate you. But if you're a loving person, they're far more willing to overlook your faults. People will scrutinize the faults of a hateful person. In fact, they can't wait to find and point out as many as possible. It satisfies their flesh to identify something wrong. But if you're a loving person, people tend to overlook all kinds of mistakes. You know what that means, don't you? If you're not a perfect person, then you had better be a loving person. And one good way to practice this love is to shut your mouth. Mm, that's really good. And that's too big to post on Twitter, but yeah. like it really is good. Like, like so. Whenever I'm putting these sentences, or now that we have a, you know, you have double the amount of characters, you can do a little bit longer. It really is a a contextual nugget 
Uh, it's the things you highlight. You know, when you read a book and you highlight, these are the things you highlight. Right. And, um, and I, I get this love. I haven't been able to experience the loving my grandkids part, but I totally get it with my kids and with other people's kids and, and uh, just wanting to be a loving person and just love covers a multitude of sins. And, and, and it's just best when there's hatred, when there's uh, uh, baiting, you know, what people want to bait you. They, they want to trap you. They want to call, you know, it's kind of like uh, in Nehemiah's day when they send you notes or Facebook notes or letters or emails and they're, they're trying to get you to go to the plains of, oh, no, your answer always has mm. to be, no, oh, no, I'm not going there. It's a, right. it's a trap. It's a temptation. It, I don't need to fight my point. The point stands on its own merit. Mm. That's good. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Ed. I really appreciate this. This has been something that's been on my heart the last you know two days, and I've just been trying to navigate it and pray through it. But it really helps to be able to verbally process it with you and, um, and get some scripture also as well. So thank you. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Yeah, have a great night. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number... I'm telling you, I've been off Facebook for over a year now, and uh, it has opened up so much capacity in my mind because um, I want to have meaningful relationships where I serve people well. And arguing on Facebook, um, seeing everyone's opinion and flipping out over things instead of the gospel, um, or putting down a missionary, you know, I don't know what they're writing on Estella's Facebook wall, and I don't even know what's out there right now, and I I don't even care. But I could tell you this, a man died, and a family's mourning and grieving. And that's the message, that we might be praying for this member's family. Um, You know, social media has created an environment where we're arguing about reaching the lost instead of reaching the lost. And Lord, forgive us. I pray for John Shaw's family. Uh, He's in glory right now. Um, Very missed. Someone's son a brother perhaps. I know he had many friends. I did see that. Parents, grandparents, great-grandparents. And so I just pray, God, that through all, everybody wants to talk about him. But would there be, would you just send comforters into his family's life? Would you, as the God of all comfort, comfort in all their tribulation? And protect us, Lord, from snipers and trolls and um, fleshly men and women that are passive-aggressive and, and uh, hiding their true intent. <laughs> Protect us, Lord, that we might be faithful in Jesus' name. Amen. Vi's been waiting patiently in Colorado Springs. Vi, welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you. Hi. Uh, my question is, um, in our uh, church, we just went over John. Uh, oh, good one a couple of weeks ago, and uh, why did Jesus have to be baptized if he was sinless? Right, so the Bible actually answers that question for us, that he was baptized to fulfill all righteousness, and his life was representative of a righteous life, and the identification that that he gave as an example to us, like it's... so the primary reason, according to the Bible, is to per- fulfill all righteousness. Um, he would do what he's asking anyone else to do in his humanity. Because uh, baptism does not save a person, and it does not physically wash away any sins. It's an identification, and 
the identification for Jesus was in the mission, I believe, that Jesus was given by the Father, because that was the occasion where John the Baptist was there in the water baptizing Jesus, where the Father spoke from heaven, and the Holy Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove, and became that absolute example of righteous living. And I think the example that he was setting is that he always did what pleases the Father. And number one. Then number two, I think one of the reasons on a sub-reason sub that Jesus uh, went through with water baptism is to take away anybody's excuse of following him uh, that they don't need to be water baptized because the, the very sum and substance of our relationship with God, Jesus Christ, went through this act of obedience. And so why wouldn't we go through this act of obedience? But it didn't seem like it was a public declaration. Like, I mean, it didn't seem like it was done in front of a mass of people. Um, well, the, the good news is, is it was done in front of all of humanity because it was recorded for us in the Scriptures, number one. So it's been exposed, it's been recorded, inspired by the Holy Spirit for anyone that ever reads the Bible. So it's actually his baptism was exposed to billions of people rather than hundreds or thousands. However, the identification isn't dependent upon how many people you do it in front of. Like, so when you're baptized, you're, it's not a passive action, right? Water baptism is not passive. It's active. And generally, I can't really think of an ex example in the Bible. Uh, maybe you can correct me if you can think of one, but I, I can't think of one where someone baptized themselves. It seems to always be done by someone else. So there's always at least one witness to that identification, um, but the you know a baptism is like a is is like an outward it's an outward act because it is done outwardly and it is done with at least one other person, but mm -hmm. it's been recorded you know for Jesus it's been recorded um, for all of humanity um, I mean not all of you know, I mean anyone that would open the Bible so his baptism has been exposed to billions of people. And was baptism, because like I'm reading through the Old Testament, and yes. so far I'm in Second Samuel, and it doesn't speak of people being baptized up until this point. Right. That's a somewhere? great observation. And so it seems like this is the first time that John was mentioning it as, you know, and he was named, you know, the Bapt uh, John the Baptist. But it seems so, like it was a relative a new process that he was doing, that they were okay, even so, asking him, who are you to baptize? So check this out, because you, you keyed on something that's really important. Baptism was not invented by the Christian church. It's actually a Hebrew religious experience. And because baptism is a transliteration of a Greek word, you will not read of baptism in the Old Testament because the Old Testament's written in Hebrew, Hebrews. And so what you will see, though, in the Old Testament is phrases like ritual cleansing. When you, th okay. when you think of ritual cleansing, you, if you went to Israel with us, we'd take you over by the teaching steps. Um, and on, alongside the teaching steps, there are many um, little, ho little uh, holes there called mikvahs, mm -hmm. uh, which are ritual baths. And the idea between of baptism in the Old Testament, if we use that picture of going through the mikvah, is to cleanse yourself before you go up to the Temple Mount. 
because that's where the teaching steps would take you right into the into the level of the Temple Mount, right next to the temple. And those that were coming up with their offerings or coming up to worship would have to go through the ritual bath, the mikvah, and mm-hmm. they were to cleanse themselves and identify themselves with with Yahweh. Uh, cl- ritually cleansing themselves before they go to the temple. So now, for a, for you, you hit on something even more significant for the Hebrew, and that is for someone to rich, to go through the act of water baptism to follow Jesus Christ to become a follower of Messiah was saying that I don't believe in the ritualistic mikvah system of the Old Testament but now I'm living in the new covenant. And so that identification with Jesus Christ was even greater. So the reason you don't read of it, um, you don't read of it prior to the coming of Messiah is because everyone was living under the Ju- under Judaism and under the old covenant. So then that had to be a huge revelation to John, being that he was, obviously he knew the Old Testament, being that he was declaring it and knew a prophecy of what to come, because he was declaring that. So the Spirit must have really showed him that, that the mikvah was no longer acceptable, that this new, you know, chapter was coming, this new prophecy was coming soon to be fulfilled then. Yeah, I mean, I think the greater, uh, more than just, you know, centering on baptism is our discussion, but the the revelation... I think a greater revelation is that he would be the forerunner to Messiah. Can you imagine? Can you mm-hmm. imagine for a moment God dropping that in your heart? Yeah. That that's that's why you have been born on the earth today is to introduce your cousin as the Messiah of the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> and all of that it was it it was unlike today very and although in some cases, you know, if, uh, in some cases, following Jesus Christ um, leads to being um, alienated by your entire family. But but back then, to accept Jesus Christ as Messiah, you were literally you literally lost everything. You you lost your identity. You lost your house. You lost your community. You lost everything to follow right. Jesus Christ because it was so intertwined. Um, but but with with baptism. Um, this became, now you can see there's even a deeper significance for those in the first century to go into the waters and say, I identify with with Jesus of Nazareth as my Messiah. And I literally want to demonstrate that outwardly. And you'll notice it's never repeated. So when someone's water baptized, they're not baptized again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't a continual cleansing. It was speaking of the finished work that was to come just a, you know, they didn't know this, but just three years later, it would be the finished work to come in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, baptism is so significant, and and I have to say, being a part of the Western Church myself, uh, it it has it has lost a lot of its significance, unfortunate, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Pastor. You answered my question. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, that's a great question. I'm glad your church is going through studying such a beautiful, um, um, a beautiful doctrine. Yeah, it's uh, it's Pastor uh, Eric Cartier. So yeah, he's excellent. We're uh-huh, really- right on. So, all right, thank you very much. You have a good holiday. Right. Bye bye. Okay, bye bye. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand is the number. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand 
is the number taking your calls and your questions. Let's see, we've got time for one more call. And let's see, did I skip anyone? Uh, no. Uh, Brian, let's go to line three. Brian, welcome to the program. Thank you. Yeah, I've got a, I'll make it kind of quick. Quick question. Me and a, uh, I've got a lifetime friend that um, we kind of go back and forth about salvation. Um, quick story. I mean, when, when he was younger and we were younger, we both were saved. Um, since he's gotten older, he's chosen to follow a homosexual lifestyle, okay. living for the world. And then, you know, we've talked about salvation and in, in, in a sense, I've questioned him whether he's still saved. And I've, you know, mentioned stuff in the Bible where it says only the righteous will inherit the kingdom of God and how the pathway to heaven will be narrow and the pathway to, you know, hell is going to be wide. Uh, but then I heard a, a sermon yesterday from, I think it was Pastor Jeff saying, talking about easy salvation, where all you have to do is literally believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're saved, and if you choose to pick up the cross and, you know, live that, that's a much harder life to do, but not necessary to get into heaven. So I guess maybe that kind of confused me, you know, whether I'm wrong or he's wrong or... Well, definitely a lifestyle of sin is super challenging. And and I don't believe that it's possible for a person to uh, live in sin and expect uh, that their life will be blessed by God. Um, I do believe that backsliding occurs for believers and that believers well, do live in choice. unconfessed, unrepentant it's, sin, which is, a, yeah, which yeah. is sad. But I also believe that there are people that think they're believers and by their actions prove that they're not. And so, because I don't know the hearts of people, your friend, mm -hmm. I would preach to him what the Bible says, where it says, don't you know that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God? And I put it on them. Um, I'm not the judge. Uh, I didn't. Yeah. I haven't been sent to condemn. I'm just a messenger. And this is one of the messengers. Uh, the message is, if you practice such things, and homosexuality actually um, actually um, is listed in that list, uh, and you're living like that, what makes you think that you're saved? Um, and put well, it, I like to put it on him or her. It's a guy, yeah. He, he pretty much tells me, and again, this is what Pastor Jeff was, gave his sermon yesterday, is saying, you know, whoever believes in Christ, I mean, you are saved. There is no taking that salvation away. So he goes, I'm, I'm saved. He goes, I may live this lifestyle. He doesn't think it's a wrong lifestyle, but he, he, he thinks that it, this won't unsave me, I guess, let's put it that way. Right. And he still well, believes I, in God. I mean, it's not, he hasn't turned his back on God. He still believes in God. He's still... Well, let's pause for there for a second. Um, by, by his language to you and by his lifestyle, he certainly has turned his back on God. And I think sometimes we are more gracious with people than God is. Um, he he has chosen a very significant like like it's it's not that he's struggling and it's not that he's wrestling with something like a believer does. He he is re, he is misrepresenting the heart of God. If he thinks that a person can be saved and then go do whatever they want to do, he completely under, under uh, misunderstands the teaching of the Bible, because a a saved person 
desires to do what God desires. That's what that's yeah. one of the evidences that you and I are saved. So by his explanation, like he can't get around it. No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat. You do these things to your brethren. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. That's where he is right now. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, like that whole list, I would treat the same way. When I have someone in front of me that is repetitively sinning, and it was Pastor Jeff, because I heard some of the study today, Yeah. Um, uh, and when they're repetitively sinning, I'm concerned for them. I'm not God, but if they choose to continue to live that way and then dismiss the clear teachings of the Bible, that doesn't sound like a real believer to me. How do you say when Pastor Jeff says about easy salvation that all that's required is you believe in me and 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 that is all that's required. That is all that's required. And what he tells me all the time is like I do believe in God. I do believe God's my Savior. I I believe I'm saved. I don't believe that this sin is going to take me keep me from heaven or any other sin that anybody else commits. That all he doesn't believe. But I know we only have 30 seconds, that's why. Okay. When he says, I believe in God, but I don't believe that this sin will keep me from heaven, he's saying, I don't believe in God. Because God's word couldn't be clearer. So I think the emotional part of it kind of leads you to think, well, he does believe in God, but you know, you even the demons believe and tremble. So belief's going to change the way we behave. Thank you uh, okay. for calling. We'll be back tomorrow. If you want to call back, we can check tomorrow. Uh, Lord willing, this is Calvary Live. We'll see you at Wednesday Night Church, Calvary Church tonight. Go to calvaryaurora.org. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.